Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. My name is Josh Andrew. This is Conversations. Two things that I want to highlight before we jump into this week's podcast. Number one, if you're looking for a local church, maybe you moved, maybe you're looking for something new in your life. In the show notes, there's going to be a link. You can click it. There's a form. You fill it out and you get connected to a local church in your zip code in real time. They have like over 30,000 church partners, so you will find the right one for you. The other thing, if you're looking for maybe to upgrade your church or to listen to this and you're saying, hey, I need to get better. I need to grow. My friend Sweb put together some resources for you and you can click those as well. Check them out. It's going to teach you about how to host guest preachers better. You can do coaching calls with him. There's a lot of things that you can do with him. I would highly recommend him because he's an, obviously an incredible person. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. So jumping in today, we're going to do Q&A. We actually put together question polls on all of the different social profiles that we have. My team, my content manager, I put together 10 questions or 10 reoccurring themes anyways. And these are from you. These are from listeners who listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this. Seriously, it's, it's been so much fun building this with you. I think this is just the beginning. So we have 10 questions here from listeners from you about church leadership, about the church, about all, all things church. So we're just going to jump right in. I hope that you can learn from something. And if this is you, if this is an actual person, you're listening to this, this is a question you asked. I hope that this maybe answers the question. Again, I'm not, I'm not a perfect expert, but I do have observations and have a little bit of experience. So jumping in, question from Sarah. As someone who aspires to be a church leader, how do you handle the balance between your personal life and your responsibilities within the church community? That's a great question, Sarah. So one thing that I always want to say, we, we always tend to say church slogans or we have these church language like it's not about balance. It's about rhythm and all these things that I believe are, they might have a, a glimpse of truth to them. But the reality is, if you are in ministry, it, it, it's a lot. Like you have a lot to carry. There's people, uh, there's meetings, there's late nights. You have an extra service added. Like I understand that there's a lot of things. And to, to balance personal life and responsibilities, I would say this. There, are, there is no compartmentalization in ministry. I, in my experience, like I said, I have a wife. We've been in ministry. I've been in ministry full-time for like seven years, going on eight. But the, real, the reality is there is no separation. It is just all my life. There is no such thing as like, I have a work schedule. I'm, I'm a pastor at this time and at 5 p.m. I'm not, or I'm a husband and from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. I, I'm a husband all day, every day. And I'm a church leader all day, every day. There might have a phone call that comes up late Again, the, the question or the recommendation I would give you is to set proper boundaries. See, with boundaries, you can be the same person all the time. The, the illustration I'll give you is you can wear many hats at once. So you can be a church leader, you can be a pastor, you can be a mom, and you can be an entrepreneur all at once. In those moments, though, within your parameters, within your boundaries, you can actually set that at Hey, at 8 p.m., my phone's going to go on Do Not Disturb. And at 8 a.m., I will get back to you. But in that time, I'm going to put my pastor hat away and I'm going to just be myself. So you cannot balance it. I don't. And maybe someone has a better answer or maybe that isn't the best, most exciting thing to hear. But if you're in ministry, like people are our heart, people are our mission. It's the only reason we're in ministry. So it is what it is. It's kind of what we signed up for. We're called to serve people. We're called to love people. People are hard. It's not just like a task to-do list thing that you're doing. You're dealing with people. So yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm also not because that's that's what we signed up for. And it's a great thing. What a blessing, right? It's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a blessing to 
serve people, to love people, to be in community with people. So hope that answers your question, Sarah. All right, Michael, I'm eager to take on leadership roles in the church. Could you share some advice on how to effectively mentor and guide younger members to help them grow in their faith? I'm eager to take on leadership roles in the church. Could you share some advice on how to effectively mentor and guide members help them grow their faith? Yeah, so if you're eager, if you want to take on more leadership in your in your church, what I would say is what role are you in right now? Number one, are you serving in the local church that you're in? And do you have a pastor above you or just a leader? Doesn't have They don't have to have a title of pastor to lead you, to mentor you, like you said. Anytime that I get somebody messaging me or at church comes up to me, hey, I would love for you to mentor me. The first question you need to ask at that first coffee is who are you mentoring or who can you mentor? Hey, I need you to like think through three different names in the next week of people that you would love to sit down and coffee, just like I'm doing to you. Because we don't want to be a swamp. A swamp has no outflows. If you're a river, you can have an outflow. You can have people there connecting to two. So there's actually a ripple effect that happens. When you lead one person, they lead three people. That's actually four people that is hearing from your voice one way or another. So could you share some advice on how to effectively mentor and guide younger members to help them grow? So that, that's the other side of it. I actually just did a podcast on this, how to recruit and develop and build people and to grow in their faith. So it's all one thing. It's engraft them into your life. Bring them in. The way Jesus did it anyways with his 12 was they saw every part of Jesus. Jesus did not have, again, 7 to seven to 5 p.m. Jesus is the Messiah. And then from 5 to 10, he's just a homie. No, Jesus was just Jesus. He was himself. He was fully man and fully Messiah. We are not fully God, obviously. We're just full man. So the reality is we just need to bring people along the journey with us. That's what true discipleship through development is, is having somebody just be involved in your whole life. Bring them in and every piece of it, every meeting, every coffee, every conversation that is permissible or appropriate for them to be a part of, bring them in because it will drastically give them a new perspective on what ministry is and the other side of it will give you a new perspective of how much influence you can have when you lead with proper boundaries. So great question, Michael. All right, jumping in from Emily. Being a church leader requires strong communication. How do you approach challenging conversations or address sensitive issues within a congregation with empathy and understanding? Well, I think those last two words are your answer. Actually, you, you answered the question with your question. Church leadership, yeah. I mean, you're in the church, you're a leader. It requires communication skills from a lot of different ways. Maybe you're a communicator, maybe you're a worship leader, but also one-on-one coffee, small groups, you have staff meetings, you have the person who's attended one time and thinks that they understand your whole church and why does your pastor use NIV or whatever. But here's what I'll say to you. You need to know what your majors are and what your minors are. So if you're a lead pastor, help your team or give it, make it very clear, these are our majors and these are our minors. And I just read, I would recommend this Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's an incredible church leader book. And he says, we're, we're just not going to talk about things that the Bible doesn't talk about. See, I, I, don't get the, I don't get the right or have the right to share on topics as a church leader that, that Jesus didn't talk about or that, that God didn't breathe through other people in, in the scriptures. Like the scriptures are our mandate. The scriptures are our roadmap. So you need to get very, very good at reading your Bible and understanding it and applying it. 
being able to teach other people that. That's the only book that you need to read to be in church and a leader. You don't need any other book. I know that there's a thousand leadership books. All those things are great. I have a book. I'm talking through publishers right now with a second book. That stuff is great icing, but that's not the cake. The cake is scripture. That's it. So get obsessed with the scriptures. Get obsessed with teaching the scriptures and helping people see what God says about it. Because what God says about it is the truth. And I, I don't get to shift my perspective on that. I don't get to give my opinion on things. I just share what God says and that's it. So that's what I would say. Empathy and understanding is also the tone of Jesus. And if someone's not giving empathy and understanding and asking questions to go third, four or five layers deep on that initial question, they're probably not using it, using the tone in the ways the way Jesus would. So that's my answer. Question for Jason. Okay. I've noticed that decision-making the church can sometimes be complex. How do you seek God's guidance and discern his will when faced with important choices for the church's future? Okay, so I've, I've noticed that decision-making in the church can sometimes be complex. Yeah, I, 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 I notice it can be complex too because people are complex, number one. But also too, I think a lot of times we just don't want to make a decision. Like a lot of things are super practical. One thing that always frustrates me is the hiring process or off-hoarding with churches. I think we overcomplicate it so much. It's like a homeless person seeing a McDonald's sign that says, now accepting applications, and then you going, God, send me a job. He's like, dude, I literally did. It's right there. Go apply. So there's times when we, I don't think, I mean, we always need to seek guidance from Jesus. But again, it's if it's in his word, we don't have to pray about it. We don't have to pray about should I tithe. It's just, a, it's a statement. It's a mandate from scripture. I don't have to pray about loving my neighbor because that's what God's told me to do. So I'm going to do it. So the discernment and guidance, number one, can obviously come from God, from Holy Spirit but also come through the, the, the wisdom of the multitude of counsel, right? So bringing in people in your community, but also outside of your community, the best thing you can do as a church leader is have friends not in your church. The people who love you, the people who don't care about your church attendance, they don't care about your Instagram followers, they just care about your heart and your character. You'll be able to ask them questions. And what I would say is measure by fruit. The people that you want to have on your council, your elder board or your mentors, you need to look at their fruit and say, man, I really want that. Our lead pastors have been in ministry for 27 years. They've been married for 30 plus years. All three of their kids love Jesus. That's fruit that I'm like, I'm going to listen to you because I understand you, you run the race longer than I have, which means you probably did something right and you've learned from mistakes. So wisdom is knowledge applied. And that's what I would say for that question from Jessica. I believe every leader should lead by example. How do you ensure your actions align with your words, especially when it comes to living out the teachings of Christ in your daily life? Okay, I believe every leader should lead by example. How do you ensure your actions align with your words? Yeah, integrity, right? I believe leadership is this. It's closing the gap from your public life and your, and your private life. That gap, wherever that we're in between is what we call integrity. It's, it's and we need to grow in that. And how we grow through that is discipline and having people in our world. A siloed leader is dangerous. A siloed leader in the church is even more dangerous because we think that we have something figured out. And if you are around somebody who thinks they know it all, they are the most prideful, arrogant person in that room and they know absolutely nothing. So being a leader involves, yeah. So leading by example is this. 
what did Jesus do? How can I mimic that in my current context? You know, every leader should lead by example. Absolutely. And if you're around somebody who's not leading by example, they're not a leader. How do you ensure your actions line your words? You need to understand that there are probably 10,000 decisions and actions you make every single day. You're not going to get it right every single time. But what I would recommend anyways, is at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, think about this. How many decisions have I made or will I make? And what steps do I need to make that decision? So for instance, if it's a super practical thing, should I read my Bible? Yeah, go read your Bible. But if it's, should I make this purchase of $5,000? Maybe sit on it, maybe pray on it, maybe seek wisdom, seek counsel. So leading by example is important, but understanding that leading by example isn't putting out perfection. It's putting out, hey, I'm a human being too, and I'm a walking, talking progress just like you are. So that's what I would say, Jessica. All right, Daniel, building a sense of community within the church is vital. What strategies do you use to encourage unity among diverse groups of people while embracing individuality and uniqueness? Yeah, there's a lot of key words in this question. So I'm going to break it down through the question. Building a sense of community within the church is vital. You need to make sure that you bring definitions to what you're communicating. What is community to you? Because I think community is the church. I think going to church and being part of the church and serving on a team and being a part of a small group and going to all those meetings and going on all the Zoom calls and the coffees is the community that you're talking about. So what strategies do you use to encourage unity among diverse groups of people? Yeah, I don't think it, I think diversity, and again, that that's a word, right? That we need just need to bring clarity to because it could mean nationality. It could mean how much money people make. It could mean the background. It could mean, it could mean gender. It could mean a lot of different things. So we need to bring definitions to everything we think about. So diversity groups among people embracing you individuality. I don't think individuality is biblical, by the way. I don't think there's a, a scripture that says who I am is okay and it's okay to be myself. My, like I'm me, that the lack of growth in that sentence models to me that that person would rather be themselves by themselves than with a community and crafted into God's kingdom. Like I've said before, and I mentioned it, when you give your life to Jesus, your personality types, your background, all that stuff, God's going to use it. But I would say this, all that stuff sits at the altar in the foot of the cross. The cross is our identity. Jesus is our identity. So the strategy is this, you need to bridge the gap between where somebody is and where you are, which means you need to find commonalities. The person who can find commonalities with the people involved in their church and getting them to gain agreement that you actually have more in common than you don't is a leader who's going to build not just a big community, but an effective community. And community is what? It's people in your world. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't have to be besties with everybody. You don't have to be besties with every pastor, but you do need to have a friend who's in the church. You do need to have a friend who has a different perspective or different background than you. So embrace uniqueness. Everyone's different. Every single person is different. There's no one with the same exact story. So that's how I would do it. Question from Olivia. Being a leader often involves handling conflict. How do you approach conflict resolution in a manner that fosters reconciliation and promotes a peaceful environment? Okay, so conflict. Let's talk about it. I tend to be a very confrontational person, so I actually have to reel it back a ton. The confrontation has an expiration. Your confrontation has an expiration. If it has anything to do with somebody in your congregation or your team or culture, that expiration day is 24 hours. 
So you need to either give them a phone call or meet them in person within 24 hours if there's something that arises. And conflict will actually grow your church, grow your community health-wise way more than hiding things will. Think about it in the context of a family. Uh, you and your spouse don't talk about conflict, but there's things in your heart that you need to get out and you don't think, it, think that. What's that going to build? It's going to build bitterness. It's going to build hate. It's going to build, can't, you're going to cancel them. So con confrontation has expiration. If you're a leader, you got to be okay with it. And I get it. Sometimes your, your personality doesn't necessarily default to conf con confrontation. But what I would say to you is, do you care more about that person than your current feelings? Your heart should be towards people if you're in ministry, which means you care more about the person and who they're becoming than who they are today in your friendship. So you got to be willing to risk the relationship and risk your friendship with that person because you care more about their development and growth and getting closer to Jesus. So that's how I do it. And, and a staff concept, bring it out. Staff meetings, public, all that stuff is so helpful when done in the right way. Obviously, it's not just yelling at one another or fighting physically. That would not be good. But confrontation is healthy. And if we model what that looks like from staff positions and leaders, people in our church will tend to actually fall into that a little bit more. Thanks for that question. I love that. So question from Benjamin. As a potential future lead pastor, I wonder how you cultivate a culture of continuous learning and spiritual growth. No one in your church is going to grow and learn if you're not growing and learning. There's only one person who can model that. That's the lead pastor. And I will trickle down. Every single one of these questions, I guarantee you, goes back to that lead pastor. John Maxwell always says everything rides and falls in leadership. I would venture to say that is the, a truth that I can get behind because everyone's going to model the way you talk to your wife. Everyone's going to model how you love your kids on Sunday. They see it. Everything they see with their eyes trickles under their heart and they're going to start applying it and doing it themselves. So it's because you're the person in charge. So Benjamin, I'm pumped for you to be a lead pastor someday. I think that's incredible. So how do you cultivate a continuous learning and spiritual growth? Do it yourself. You should be the biggest learner, the biggest spiritual growth person that you are around. And if you aren't, pick up habits that are doing that. And on the other side of it, you need to give permission for your team and your staff to grow as well. If they want to go to a conference that's going to help them benefit in the long term, you should absolutely send them to that. Pay, get their hotel, get a rental car. That stuff is huge. And a, and a church who isn't okay with that is telling you they're not okay with your growth. And that's kind of direct. But the reality is they're not, they're not okay with you growing if they can't accolade their resources. Like stop accolading resources to the next balloon arch and send your people to learn and grow and get them exposed to different environments. And that will help you in the long run. So Humphrey Benjamin, let's go. Question from Hannah. The role of a church leader can be demanding and overwhelming at times. How do you find spiritual refreshment and maintain a healthy work-life balance? Similar to question one, but I think it's a little bit different. So it's talking about, yeah, the roles can be overwhelming and demanding. What a blessing, right? Anytime you hear somebody complaining about ministry, you need to shift, make sure they know that this is a blessing. Everything that we're doing right now, it's not a burden. It's a blessing. What a blessing that you get 50 messages to get coffee. What a blessing it is to get invites to go speak at someone else's church or event. That's incredible. It's a blessing. So yeah, how do you not get overwhelmed? Let me know. Just kidding. Again, it's all about knowing your boundaries and I'll, I'll talk about the Sabbath, right? So Sabbath is supposed to be one day out of the week. Obviously, it's different for every church, every different person because our schedules look different. But a Sabbath, number one, 
absolutely needs to be part of your calendar. And if you're a lead pastor, that should be a mandate on your staff. If they are not actively practicing the Sabbath, you're not leading them well because you're not leading them to what scripture says. So have a Sabbath, Sabbath, but and also on a daily reoccurring system, you need to have a daily Sabbath. You need to spend time with Jesus because the reality is Jesus is our Sabbath. You will not find rest. You will not find refreshment if it's not spent with Jesus. Your Sabbath isn't you going to 27 different malls, shopping all day, going to Starbucks, hanging out with 50 friends and spending no time with Jesus. Again, those things might refresh you, but if you don't bring Jesus involved in that, that is no longer a Sabbath, that's a day off. And that's very different things. So how do you not get overwhelmed? It's knowing your boundaries, knowing, and that's gonna look every single day, every single season or every month, that might look different. When I was 21 and was starting to date Lexi, and I really didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I could do whatever I wanted. I could stay up till 2 a.m. doing church stuff. Now we go to bed at like 8.30 and I'm okay with that. So I love that. Love that for you, Hannah. Let's go. You will do fine. Question from Matthew. This is the final question. Kind of ran through these. I don't want to fluff it up. So question from Matthew. I aspire to be a leader just as Jesus exemplified. Can you share some practical ways you can incorporate servant leadership into your ministry and interactions with others in the church community. So you, you want to be a leader. I'll say this. Everybody's a leader if you're leading one person. And you're probably leading yourself, which is a person. So you are a leader. It's the, it's the perspective of you are a leader today, but you definitely are becoming a better leader every single day if you're implementing growth. So Jesus was the great, greatest leader. He was the GOAT. And I love, I love his disciples asking him honest questions like, hey, who's, who's the goat out of all of us? Who's the best? And his question and his answer was this. I, I don't need you to do everything. I don't need you to be the best preacher. I don't need you to have the best outfits. What I need you to do is be the best servant. So all of his disciples were CSOs. They were, church, they were chief servant officers. So you as a, a future leader, which you are a leader, but the, in, the, in, the, in the future anyways, you need to be the CSO, you need to be the chief, chief servant officer and the person you're connected with should know this guy's in my corner. This girl, she's in my corner. She's gonna love me so well. She's going to be obsessed with my growth and my family and my life, that person will have hundreds of thousands of people following them because they know they care more about their heart and they care more about serving them than being served. You don't want to be the guy who just only wants people to serve you. You want to be the person who serves them, no matter who that is. Might be two people, might be 200 people. You have to be the CSO in your environment, chief servant officer. So some practical ways to incorporate servant leadership in your ministry, interactions, say yes to coffees within your boundaries. Take that conversation in the hallway, listen and dial in, get eye contact and like actually give them active feedback. Just be open and available to what people are communicating in your church. There's probably a need that you know you're supposed to fill, but you're waiting for someone else to give you permission. A leader does not need permission. You don't need permission to lead. It's who you are. I don't need permission to be a dude. I'm a guy. That's who I am. I am a male. I don't need permission to be that. That is literally who I am. That's my design. My puppy cash right behind us. He doesn't need permission to be a dog. He's a dog. So if you're a leader, you don't need permission to be a leader. That's just who you are. It's a, it's revealing who your identity is. So these are great questions, guys. Just to kind of wrap this up, 
I know there's so many other questions. If you want to just DM us, we will get back to you with those answers or insights. Again, these are not perfect answers. These are just responses from me. So I thank you guys for listening to this so much. I think it's, I think it's imperative that we develop and we ask questions. I get so scared of the person who doesn't ask questions to understand people. You got to ask questions and know how to ask questions. Something that I've developed and learned over my time in ministry is the person who asks the most questions is probably the smartest person in the room and the expert because the expert understands I actually don't know anything. I just want to learn. You can learn from anybody. You can learn from anything. And the person who gives you excuses of why they're not wanting to listen to you, like you haven't lived enough life. You're not old enough. You're a female. You're from this neighborhood. Those are the people who are so insecure and so prideful and probably stopped developing years ago as a human because they don't know. I can learn from anybody. I don't care who you are. Guarantee we can sit at coffee. We'll find common agreement. We can might not be besties. We might not be best friends, but we can't be friends. We can't be homies. Guarantee you because there's something we have in common and it might just be sports. It might just be our love for basketball. Whatever it is, we have something in common and we can connect and we can ask questions to understand people's story and ask people how they're doing. Again, it's all about questions. Being a leader is asking the most questions in the room, learning, being obsessed with boundaries, being obsessed with your yes. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Credible at hospitality. There's thousands of things that we can be good at. You don't need to be good at everything. You just need to get better today and choose the things that God has told you to be and be obedient to that. Thank you guys for watching. We're going to have some interviews coming out soon. I'm actually interviewing somebody this next week who is an incredible leader, is in the worship game. So thank you guys for listening to this. Again, if you can subscribe to this channel and you can like it, give it a review. That would mean the world to us and our team. We're putting out content every single week. It's been so much fun. We're so encouraged by all the messages we've gotten from you guys. See you next week. Have a great week.